EMDR, binaural beats, theta healing, hypnotherapy, psychedelics, oh my! I found out that the compounding annual growth rate, it's called CAGR, expected for alternative health between 2023 this year and 2030 is 25.1% growth. 25% growth, it's pretty big. And due to changing regulatory limitations and worldwide adoptive practices, it looks like some of these healing modalities are growing in the mainstream. And it is a good thing. Lots of people feel like traditional talk therapy isn't always doing the trick. It's not for everyone. And there's a new app called Akeza Health, Akeza spelled A-K-E-S-A, that gives you the power right on your cell phone to provide some of these benefits right in your hands. Today's guest is Dr. Marie Luce Cher, the founder of Akeza Health, who not only holds two masters in science, a PhD, two MBAs, an Ivy League education, no dummy, but experienced some of the most intense and continuous trauma from an early age and wanted to make the methods that helped her accessible to the public. And also, her beautiful friend Jackson may leave you hypnotized anyway. Talk about hypnosis. But before we jump in, I wanted to share that if you are struggling to find a little more balance and maybe reprioritize your joy, and maybe you'd like somebody to be along the ride with you to help guide you, I am now offering free calls to help you brainstorm. You can grab a time at allisonhair.com. Here is my chat with Dr. Marie Lusecher. All right, we are here with Dr. I'm going to pronounce this right. Dr. Marie Lusecher. <laughs> Welcome, Marie. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, so seeing the kind of journey that has taken you to build this really inventive app around mental health called Akesa Health. Can you tell us the story um, it was born in France. And then when I was about a year old, my mother was diagnosed with brain cancer and died very quickly within a, a few months. And as was typical at the time in France, you know, lifted the carpet, put everything underneath, forgot about it, pretended everything, nothing ever happened. And so this is pretty much how we coped. You know, I was told you were way too young, you know, it didn't affect you, just, you know, tough it up and move on. And then other traumas happened. My brother died when I was seven. My father remarried with someone who was abusive. And I didn't process any of those because I just buried on and I even forgot some of it. And I just moved on and then turned 20, left France and started climbing the corporate ladder, which was extremely satisfying instead of de dealing with emotions and, and pain. And then a few years ago, 10 years ago, an accident happened in the family and then it resurfaced everything. And then I realized eventually I suffered from PTSD. The flashback came, the whole nine yard. And so I went on a search for solution. And I got, um, it was a long journey. It was very difficult. Um, talk therapy doesn't work very well for trauma. So I looked into alternative therapies, energy healing, a lot of different things, psychedelics. Um, eventually did find solutions that literally saved my life, but also got extremely frustrated with the lack of affordable and scientifically validated care. And the pandemic happened. I saw a lot of friends, former colleagues and people getting distressed. And I started connecting the dot and realized that 
similarly to a bone that can repair itself after a fracture, the brain has an innate self-healing potential. And so I wanted to try to give the power back to people to self-heal from what they could. I mean, if you have very serious heavy trauma, you need to go talk to a trained person. But there's a lot we can take care on our own. And so this is how I guess I was born. It's interesting because you have two masters in science, a PhD, two MBAs. You are a scientist and you left the corporate world to pursue psychedelics, <laughs> you know, a more esoteric life, you know, to kind of heal these unimaginable traumas layered on top of each other. And so, and, and then add on the pandemic where everyone I believe is spinning out and kind of redefining a new world. And one thing that I know is that, excuse me, about uh, a little over a year ago, I went on in search of a therapist and it was really, really hard. First, it was daunting to even think about how do I find a therapist? How do I find the right one? Is it covered under insurance, you know? And then, uh, and I, I found an amazing therapist, but it was a process. And so a case of health gives you some type of guidance and help in the palm of your hands. Why is the access to good therapy and understanding what kind of therapy you need? Why is it so hard? It's hard for multiple reasons. First of all, there is a shortage of therapists. We, you know, I think the pandemic had one positive effect, which is now everybody realizes they need to attend to their mental health. Great. <laughs> so everybody is looking for a therapist right now, and they are not enough of them. And therapists I mean, are burned out themselves. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They are, they are burned out, and which is very normal. Yeah. They are human beings, right? And mm -hmm. so in cities like New York City and, and LA, they stop taking waiting lists because they are like, we don't even want to give you, you know, the hope that in three months time, I'll have a slot for you. So they are not enough of them. This is the first reason. Second of all, therapy is a very personal process, right? It's not like seeing a, an MD that take a blood, you know, a blood sample and tells you, well, you know, you're fine or you need to take this. With therapy, you unravel a lot of personal things. So having this connection makes it even more difficult, I think, to find the right person. And and I saw it with my own experience when I looked for a therapist ten years ago. I am not sure we always use the right approach to find a therapist. You know, I've, I've read it again the other day. Sometimes we're like, oh, he comes from a very big university. So he's going to be the big shot who knows exactly what I have. But mm. therapy is more complicated. There are a lot of different kinds of therapies, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy, a lot of different ones. And so we don't necessarily pick the therapist that is um, skilled in what we need to treat, right? They are, they are people who are trained in trauma therapy, for example, and others who are trained in, you know, other different things. And maybe we don't pay enough attention to this as well. And that's why we don't find someone with whom, you know, it clicks immediately. But do we know what kind of therapy we need? You had traumatic deaths, you had abuse, you had, I know uh, through your Medium article that there were a lot of suicides in your family. Like, how do you self-diagnose yourself enough to figure out what therapy, what am I treating? I have so many things to worry about. It's a good question. And at the beginning, I had no clue, actually. So the first yes. therapist didn't work. The second therapist didn't work. And the third one... It's frustrating. Um, I, I picked someone who was trained in trauma and I kind of crossed my fingers and it worked. But 
Years later, I went back into therapy with another one and it didn't work. And so it's, uh, I don't have the perfect answer. But what I, what I realize is that they are, instead, maybe I'm just thinking out loud now, instead of thinking about the therapist, it's thinking about the therapy. And so for me, what happened is a few years ago, I read this new article in the New York Times about EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is very efficient for the treatment of PTSD. So then I look at the therapy and I search for therapists that were trained in that therapy. How does EMDR work? I'm, I'm really not familiar with it. EMDR was discovered in 1987 by a clinical psychologist here in California. And she was walking in a park one day and she realized she was very distressed about something. And suddenly she realized it was gone. And so being a scientist, she said, you know, what did I do with myself? And she realized she had been moving her eyes left and right. So she started practicing on people, asking them to talk about distressing experiences while following her fingers left and Mm. right. And they were able to process traumatic experiences. And at the time, half of the, the clinical community was like, you know, this is one of those California woohoo stuff, right? <laughs> and then, but she started running clinical trials and it was extremely efficient and extremely fast to alleviate uh, PTSD symptoms. So much so that the Department of Defense, the American uh, Psychiatric Association and the WHO started prescribing it for the treatment of PTSD. And for many years, because when we sleep, we move our eyes as well when we dream, right? During rapid eye movement uh, sleep, for many years, people thought we were it was activating the same mechanism as um, REM sleep. And uh, a few years ago, Professor Huberman, whom we talked about earlier at Stanford, ran a study and realized that when we move our eyes left and right, it has an effect on the amygdala, which is um, a component of the brain, completely in the middle of the brain, the center of the brain, which is the fear center of the brain. So when we get panicked and when we have PTSD symptoms, the amygdala you know, activation increases. When we move our eyes, it decreases the activation of the amygdala. And so we are mm. able to think about, again about a traumatic experience without being completely freaked out and start the, the healing process. So what was it like when you, you were going through therapist after therapist, you said, finally, one worked. What was unlocked at that? What did you discover that started to take the weight off? Um, so the difference between the, the previous therapy, which were normal talk therapy, I would go into the session and I'd say, okay, let's talk about for example, the death of, of my brother, which I do remember because I was seven, as opposed to the death of my mother. And then I would talk about it and I would feel a lot of distress and I would leave the session after 50 minutes completely feeling completely overwhelmed, not grounded, mm-hmm. more sad than when I started. And I had to walk 20 blocks in New York City back to my apartment to come down. So it was not, it was opening the past but it was not providing any relief whatsoever. When I did EMDR, what happened is at the beginning of the session, she would ask me, the therapist would ask me to think about, you know, so I would bring the memory of, of the death of my brother. And then she would be moving her eyes for like one or two minutes, her fingers for one or two minutes. And then a lot of other memories came. And I did cry mm. a lot, but it brought progressively the pain started living as well and it brought insight as well and started leaving. even though the session breaks 
Wow. It, like I would, I would, you know, when sometimes you're very sad about something and you cry and at mm. the end you so feel a, a little bit of relief out of it. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I got. At the end, I was much calmer, much more grounded. And, and that's how that, that was a major effect on me. And, and, and the other thing is, I didn't know I had PTSD. I mean, it's, it's actually someone who read my writing who discovered it for me. And, um, but I had this fear always at the back of, it, it was very unconscious. I always fear someone was going to die and I was going to get this phone call in the middle of the night. And as I started talking and having all those sessions about um, the death of, of relatives, suddenly this fear started living. Wow. See, I would imagine that that fear is a natural reaction to your entire experience. And then to not have that, you know, I think that we carry a lot of our call it trauma or whatever, you know, the fears that we have, we carry a lot of it. And imagine like, what if you didn't feel anxious anymore? What if you didn't feel scared anymore? Like, what does it feel like to release? You know, do you feel lighter? Yes. And there is, I would say a healthy fear and an unhealthy fear, right? There is the, I think for me, the line is when you can function and when you cannot function. You know, you have a thought that says, well, of course, my sister could die tomorrow, right? It's it's normal. I mean, she's much older, but I'm like, okay, what's the probability? That's probably very low, right? And I, and the thought goes away, right? And I get back to work and, and to my day life. An unhealthy fear is when on Saturday, I want to take a few hours off with my phone off because I want to write and create and I can't put the phone off because I'm afraid of that call. That's when, for me, it became very unhealthy and the fear was controlling my life. But I do think that we live with a certain sense of anxiety and can function as well. And this is t totally different. But I live in the city. And so when I moved into the city, our house has a lot of alarms. It has a lot of, it's got pin locks. It's got like bulletproof film on the front. And it's, we live in a safe neighborhood. <laughs> you know, my husband just went bananas when we, when we moved here. And so he's always taught me, you know, make sure that you're always on the lookout. And so uh, many mornings I'll go out at five in the morning and go to a workout, which is very close to my house. I can work, I can walk there. And, you know, like here, I'm always on guard. I'm always looking around and I'm like, God, this seems hard that no matter where I am, I'm always on the high alert, you know? So that is kind of a functioning anxiety that, um, and I believe other people may have that as well, where they just carry it. And I wonder what it's like considering what if you can lighten the load? What if you didn't have that? You know, as I hear you, there are two things, right? They are internal things. They are fears due to internal stimuli yeah, and fear due to external situations. You know, like you live in a place where you need to be careful because it might be dangerous, you know? For me, being in California in a very peaceful and most boring neighborhood, having all those irrational fears was way too much. So this is, you know, you see what I mean? There is adapting to mm -hmm. an external situation. You know, when I'm in New York, I'm careful about pickpockets. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm always on guard in the subway. This is normal, you know. But so it's about having a healthy reactions to your surroundings and what is appropriate and not appropriate. 
Mm-hmm. And as, as you continued on your journey and you said you went through psychedelics, you went through a lot of different things, what worked exceptionally well for you and what was like not helpful? Um, so let's cross out the not helpful. So the, the just pure talk therapy and talking about abuse and trauma and all of this didn't work for me. Is that traditional or is that you specific? Is it because I, I know you mentioned before that talk therapy doesn't typically work for trauma. So I'm not a clinical psychologist, so I can't really say this, but I, I mean, I would say it's not the best, the most efficient approach for trauma. Okay. They are more efficient approaches for trauma. Yeah. And so psychedelics, for example, for me was extremely powerful and psychedelics studies show it's extremely efficient. Like one session of EM, uh, MDMA with someone who is trained in it can have the same effect as three months of talk therapy. It's extremely, extremely efficient. Um, EMDR is extremely efficient as well. So they are, these two MDMA was, um, was, it helped me a lot. And then EMDR was really life-saving for me. I couldn't imagine like somebody with two fingers going back and forth, changing and reprogramming my brain, honestly, you know? So it's interesting to think about all these alternative therapies. You talked about hypnosis, binaural beats, theta healing, including the energy healing, EMDR, psychedelics, all being part of that. Can you talk a little bit about binaural beats and theta healing? Theta healing is actually, for me, I think, very similar to coaching, actually. It's in between coaching and hypnosis. So in theta healing, a therapist will relax you and induce a state very close to hypnosis, actually, but you're still awake, and then ask you to remember, you know, something you would like to process and dig in. They would, that's the question they would ask. And if you have a fear, for example, you have a fear of height or you have a fear of abandonment, or you, as I used to have, they would ask you a question like, what is the worst that could happen? What is the worst that could happen? And mm. you dig in, you dig in, you dig in, and eventually discover a belief. And so a belief is really a core thought that you form when you were a child. So for me, and it takes a very long time to discover our beliefs because they are usually stored in the subconscious and we don't think one day, I'm going to go and explore. Is it a belief or a fear? It's a belief. It's very different. So for example, and it took me a very long time to realize this, I had a belief with my mother that if I love people, they will die. It's irrational. But for a one-year-old, it's very normal. I love my mm-hmm. mother, she died. I love my brother, he died. I love my grandfather, he died. All the people I loved around me died. And so at some point, and I didn't, wasn't aware of it. So it, a belief drives your behavior very strongly. And so I was afraid of getting close to people because unconsciously I thought if I get close to them, they will die. And, and so... With theta healing, they relax, they relax you and they can access your subconscious and they rewire the belief. Mm. And so instead of thinking, you know, if I love people, they will die, you pick another belief you agree with, you know. If I love people, I will live a happy life with them, you know. If you believe in reincarnation, if you believe in past lives, you can even access past lives as well because some people believe we carry, you know, history from the past as well, that sometimes we process in this life. Wow. 
I think it's so, I think what's interesting about this, okay, so I have resistance listening to this. Like once you get into past lives, I'm like, all right, I'm checked out. And so I think that I, <laughs> like people are familiar with talk therapy. And I think as you start to introduce new modalities, that being open to the success of them, whether it's psychedelics, whether it's theta healing, whether it's hypnosis, being able to work, I think that's where the beauty of this kind of healing modalities works because usually in many cases, people don't go to the alternative health until they've tried the traditional ones and they don't work. But usually at that point, they're in a worse state and defeated because they've tried all this therapy. It hasn't provided them the relief or tools or resources to help them through all these modalities, it sounds like you were open, you were exploring this. And one of the things that I noticed in your Medium article is that one of the activities that you did that really helped was befriending your pain. What did that look like for you? Nobody wants Um, to go into pain, right? (laughs) And you're saying, come on, let's be friends. And trust me, I've, I was very good at running away, right? I mean, if you look at my life, I think this is why I left France, right? I, unconsciously, I just wanted to run away from everything. As the Buddhists will say, what we resist persists, right? Mm-hmm. Running away doesn't work. And very often, the pain is not out there. It's inside us, right? I was living in Hawaii on the other side of France, like completely on the other side of the group when the flashback came, right? And I started remembering the past. I couldn't run further away, I mean. So so eventually we have to look into this. And I think being curious about it, being curious about the pain is a way to start approaching it. And mm, I like when, that. When the, yeah, when the burnout happened, um, so when I was, you know, LFG and the accident happened and, and the burnout happened and all of this started coming back. GE, your corporate job, corporate attacks. career. Correct, yeah. And so I had panic attacks and I, I struggled with food when I used to have a healthy appetite when I was a child and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I would sit and I remember a whole meditation practice and and especially an exercise that a coach told me, which was extremely powerful. And so you, you sit and you observe, you know, especially for fear, you say, what is the fear? Where is it in the body? And so very often for me, it's in the chest. And she says, what is the shape of the fear? Does it have a shape? And so for me, it would look like a nasty virus kind of shape and spikes and knives and what color is it? Does it smell anything? And so you ask yourself question and you observe, right? You see it in your body. And, and then at the end, she asked a very powerful question. She said, can you move it? I remember I was like, yeah, I can move it a little bit. And by that time, you've taken control over the fear. You're like, it, it's not something that is in my body and controls me and hijack my brain. It's just something. It's just a fear somewhere. And I can start observing it and I can start moving it. And then, you know, it, it, and then progressively it leaves. And so having this gentle, it's important and compassionate curiosity about what's happening is very important. That's really beautifully said. Gentle and curious compassion about the pain, <laughs> befriending the pain. So tell me about a Keza Health app 
What does this app do and who is it for? So the app is for people who suffer from anxiety and distress and small trauma. Distrust. And want... Interesting word. Oh, distress, yeah. distress. So, okay. Distress, distress, sorry. Yes. French accent. And, um, <laughs> and want to... So it's a self-guided therapy. People are guided through small sessions. The first one is a resourcing session. So you, where you create what we call a sanctuary. So you pick an image and you have a specific kind of music. So we didn't talk about binaural beats. So let's talk a little bit about this. Binaural beats are sound at a slightly different frequency on the left and the right here. And you can't hear the difference the same way, you know, your dog hears sounds and you can't hear them. But the brain calculates the difference. So you have like 400 hertz, 404 hertz, and it calculates this little four difference. And neurons work on electrical simulation, right? So there's a lot of... Um, electrical impulses in our brain and the neurons will tune it to this difference and the brain would actually tune to this frequency and so the brain has five different frequencies from delta to gamma delta is when we sleep and the brain would get and that's the technical term would get entrained and same thing as emdr a few years ago people were like yeah there's a lot of those woohoo thing but now they put eeg on the scale of people and they can really see the change of patterns and so Instead of being in a high activity, stressed up, it can relax you. So binaural mm. beats are extremely efficient to relax people. And so we put some very specific kind of binaural beats, which induce a, a, a feeling of relaxation. And then you pick a place you love. So for me, it's always the beach because it's where I find my, my peace um, and my joy. And, uh, and you follow this slow moving light and it, it calms you down. And you can return then anytime. It takes a couple of minutes only. So anytime you're stressed up, you can go there and it, it calms you down. So this is the really the resourcing, relaxing part of the app. Then after you move into the processing and integrates component of the MDR. So this eye movement, I'm a very yeah. big fan of. And the app asks you to think about an experience that is bothering you. So it can be, you know, an argument with someone. A lot of people who have been using the app talk about this. You know, arguments are really annoying because they bother you. You ever had an argument with a boss or with a friend? Or... So the app would ask you to think, only to think. There is no talking, so people don't get re-triggered anymore. You just need to think about mm. it. Think about the argument. Think about the emotion. Think about body sensation. And then you're guided to follow this moving light with other kind of music as well. And then you just observe. And it's very similar to when we dream. You know, when we dream, we think about something, and then we think about something else, and then we think about something else. And at the end, the story falls back on its feet. And with the app, with Akesahab, it is the same thing. So suddenly, another related memory would come. And very often, we get stressed up about present-day situation because a very similar older situation hasn't been processed. So suddenly maybe we remember an argument with our mother when we were a child, you know? And then we dig in like this. So we just, the, the light stops and the, the app asks you to think and just observe what you see. And then you remember an earlier memory. Then you follow the light again. And then the process continues. It is, it may sound at first a little bit repetitive, but it's done on purpose so that people can just relax. They don't need to pay much attention to the voice. They just follow the light 
and they trust their brain. I strongly believe that whatever comes to mind is what the brain is saying. Hey, you'd kind of need to look into this today. And That's then amazing. End, um, That's really this, powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it is. When you think about dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Go it ahead. sounds like it is combining hypnosis, EMDR, binaural beats together in into an app that you have at any time. So you're stressed out, you're pissed off at your boss, you have an argument with your spouse, you freak out at your kids, whatever it is, and you're trying to calm down. This sounds amazing. Exactly. This is how we've designed it. People feel instant relief. And it's interesting because, you know, I designed it last year. I developed a very simple prototype and then we went through a whole redesign and I had a beautiful deck and I would explain to people and they're like, yeah. And then when they would experience it, and even, you know, the other day I talked to a fellow London business school psychiatrist in London who was talking about, he used it to process something very heavy. He lost his partner. And then he was like, wow, my distress level really went down. I didn't believe it. Mm. <laughs> so that's the reaction we get from people. They're like, oh my God, this stuff works. <laughs> How do people sign up for it? They can go on the Akesa Health website and they can download it. It's available. So Akesa is spelled A-K-E-S-A health dot com how can people get in Correct. touch with you dr marie so on the website they can pin me there linkedin is the best way to get in touch with me well that is amazing well dr marie Lucecher, thank you so much for being with us and thank you for your contribution this is amazing i can't wait to do it thank you so much for having me I can't help but bow down to anyone who sees a gaping hole in society or sees a big need and puts it all on the line to help fix it. I've linked all of Dr. Marie's info in the show notes and recommend you download the Akaza app and get the benefits right away. And if you're thinking about doing some spring cleaning in your own life and maybe reprioritizing what lights you up, I'm now offering free 20-minute coaching calls to help brainstorm with you. I found that just the act of sharing what you want out loud accelerates you moving in a more aligned direction. I would love to be part of that journey for you. Go to allisonhair.com and let's talk. And if you'd like to get all the Late Learner podcast episodes ad-free and early, and directly support this show so we can continue bringing you great content, go to patreon.com forward slash late learner. Lastly, we had the best kickoff to Atlanta wellness retreats last weekend with my Calm in the Chaos mini retreat. I can't wait to do another one and more and bring you with me on these life-changing experiences. And I will need your ideas. Go to allisonhair.com forward slash well and get on the list. As always, I invite you to be good to yourself so you can be better for others. I'll see you on the socials before I see you next week on the pod. Thanks, y'all.